Hey everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Thrive Life Podcast Belfast. In today's episode the team chat about how your lifestyle impacts your overall health and the concept of a lifestyle audit. We hope you enjoy the episode. everyone and welcome to the podcast um, today as uh, we discussed in the intro we are going to be talking about a lifestyle audit and so the inspiration uh, for today's episode um, like the inspiration for most of our episodes is coming from our direct kind of client interactions uh, and what we're doing with them okay and so uh, as we're working remotely with our clients what we're kind of what we're able to control and coach and see is a lot more of the external lifestyle factors as opposed to just the training factors, okay? So people pretty limited with what they can do training-wise, which means then what we should be doing is trying to focus our energy a lot more, and our coaching, a lot more on their lifestyle factors that are affecting their health. But before we get started, um, we just want to give another shout-out to a local business. It's like... 9.30 a.m. So we, we, bat, the we, we bin the, the beer for this week and we're on another local coffee. So what do we got, Matty? Yes, uh, this week we have from White Star Coffee, uh, which is a local roastery. Um, roastery? Roaster. Yeah. yeah, that's what we have. Uh, <laughs> today we're having a go at the Faith Estate blend. Uh, apparently it has notes of blackberry, parma violet and milk chocolate. As we were discussing pre-podcast, uh, Jenna and I get none of that. <laughs> we just taste... Coffee. coffee that's really like actually quite tasty uh, whereas now thinks he's some kind of coffee sommelier and can distinguished taste palate yeah uh, yeah shout out to those guys um, yeah um and we got it in 5a coffee yeah, in Stranmillis, one of our favorite coffee shops in belfast okay so um back at it um so we're introducing this concept of a lifestyle audit um and the reason behind that is kind of to to help you establish a baseline of how you feel and how you basically are scoring in different areas uh, of your lifestyle. And so a lot of people will, will be familiar with the concept of a, a workplace audit um, where um, either maybe on an annual basis or maybe even more, you'll be uh, kind of reviewed on your performance and how you're basically meeting key performance indicators required for your job and so we're basically taking that model um from the kind of the professional world and we're applying it to um what we are doing with kind of health and fitness um and, and that's basically what a lifestyle audit is anybody yeah. no no yeah okay yeah. Um, no, so why should we do a lifestyle audit is probably the next question that we kind of want to talk about and the biggest thing for us would be when we have clients come in the door and we ask, you know, general questions. If we're not specific, we're asking general questions. How do you feel? What's your fitness level like? A lot of the times, the answers that we get back are good, pretty good, yeah, you know, vague. pretty vague, yeah. very general. And as coaches, they give us nothing to work on, okay? Mm -hmm. So people don't have a baseline. So what we're trying to do with the audit is that we're going to then set specific kind of four specific sections. We're going to have different criteria in each section. And then you'll basically score yourself um, accordingly yeah. for each section. And then it gives us an idea of where then you, you will make the, the most gains, the most progress, and where you need coached. Yeah. Um, so 
once you've got it, kind of got that, then you've done your lifestyle audit, then you'll be able to kind of say, um, know what areas to focus on. But one of the things we wanted to talk about, and this kind of ties in from our kind of background as CrossFit coaches, is um, kind of if we score this kind of audit out of kind of not the 10 or not the 100, um, where, where, where would you fall? And kind of how, how does that match up? So if we put sickness, i.e. you've kind of some sort of chronic disease, um, issues like that, or basically low energy levels, different different things going on, um, you might be down at zero or one. Um, wellness is defined by, like, the World Health Organization as the NHS, um, would be kind of health or absence of disease. I would go ahead and put that around a four or a six, mm-hmm. like a four, like that mid-table. And then what we want from our clients or what kind of maybe high-functioning kind of athletes, et cetera, you want to be then in the fitness in the kind of 9 to 10, or as we're going to call it, the thriving zone. Um, and so this is the biggest The biggest thing is people's baseline. They think that they're an 8 or a 9 or a 10, but realistically they're probably a 3 or 4 or 5. Um, and that's just, so we're going to try and come back to that. Um, at all times, because we're going to talk about the World Health uh, guidelines and uh, what they recommend, but we're going to talk about how that's just to get a four to six. So we're going to talk about these, and many of you are going to go, "Oh yeah, I already get that," but that's just enough to get you a four uh, or a five. And so what we're going to talk about then is maybe what you would need to do to start to get into that kind of what we call that thriving zone, that eight, that nine, that ten and become kind of like a f- higher functioning uh, human. Yeah, and a lot of those things might be um, kind of areas that people just aren't aware of, of kind of, you know, what they need to do, what they need to improve. So it's just kind of getting a better picture yeah. of that. And one point you kind of raised up before we started, Jenna, was people, about people kind of maybe not understanding the importances, the importance or emphasis that needs to be placed on these, um, and what you know, why aren't people already doing yeah. this? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that comes down to it is j- simply purely lack of education and kind of lack of it kind of being pushed. It, it's not sexy. It's not fancy. It doesn't make lots of money as you know, like mm-hmm. a new dietary supplement or a new flashy fitness r- regime. It, and that's why it's not constantly being pushed. Um, and it's something that, from the whole lockdown, we've been kind of trying to build and educate our clients with a lot more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we mentioned earlier kind of three to four categories. So we're going to start with like what we call, we've got like the big three pillars, and then we've kind of got another, which is kind of like a catch-all, um, any other kind of things fall into it. So the f- we're going to start with probably what people are mostly familiar with. Yeah, that's Exercising, the physical activity. Yeah, the one yeah. where people are, if you think fitness and health, then yeah. exercise is normally top of that list. Yeah, and we're going to break it down. We're actually going to talk about three cat- three categories. Okay, so the first one would be kind of cardio aerobic. <laughs> Second one would be kind of resistance slash strength training, and then the third one would be neat. Okay, which is now becoming a new one of the newer buzzwords on. Uh, kind of social media. So NEAT is non-exercise related activity thermogenesis. So basically the kind of the calories 
or the activity that you do outside of actual exercise. So it could be kind of walking to work. Uh, it could be just kind of the process of cooking, doing stuff around the house and that. Um, so what are the World Health Organization yeah. guidelines, Matty? Yeah, so uh, I was given the numbers job. Um, the World Health Organization recommends 300 minutes of mixed aerobic uh, exercise, including two resistance sessions a week, which is 42.8 uh, minutes a day. <laughs> so just under an hour. Um, and that, like we're probably going to discuss through kind of all of the points, we kind of see that as like almost a baseline of like where you should be. So that's that's to be in that like four to six range and to be absent from any kind of chronic disease, you should probably be hitting at least kind of that number. And that's actually much higher than we all thought it would be before we went mm -hmm. and yeah. actually researched this. I think when you go on like the NHS guidelines, they're much lower. Half of that, I it's think. It's half of that, yeah. So um, there is a bit of discrepancy. Um, I don't know whether the kind of WHO have revised that and the likes of the NHS are a little bit um, slow to catch up with that. Um, so the first question you've got to ask yourself is, do you get enough? Yeah. Um, I would hazard a guess is no is probably going to be, especially in the last year, is... Do you get enough? Yeah. I would. I think I do, yeah. On a good week? I, I think, yeah. I would typically kind of do five to six training sessions per week. Um, and most of those would be over an, just over an hour. Yeah. And there would definitely be enough resistance training yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Jenna, you definitely get... So yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I need to work it out, see yeah. what it is. Well, <laughs> numbers don't go that big for yeah. Jenna, so they don't... Um, so um, we're talking about the quantity. So you kind of give yourself, like you nearly kind of want to rate yourself on kind of how much you get. Um, and we're going to actually put out a little um, what are we audit, like yeah, uh, scoring sheet. Yeah, scoring sheet. That's going to be on the on the Instagram page. Um, so you're going to be kind of do you get enough? Um, but what we want to look at is is kind of what what are the benefits or why is it important? Okay. Mm -hmm. So and we kind of look at the three categories again. So if we start off with resistance, um, this is something that our clients get generally get a lot of kind of within kind of our gym space. But if you're kind of outside that CrossFit or functional fitness, or maybe and even outside of the the, the kind of bodybuilding gym goers, yeah. um, then this is probably something you don't get enough of. Um, and the benefits then is just almost endless. But to kind of name a few, so improve postural strength, improve. Uh, Kind of bone density, bone density, kind of reduce risk of injuries, um, increase lean body mass for yeah. a higher metabolic rate, meaning you can eat yeah. more. Getting um, jacked, Jenna. Yeah. Getting, getting jacked. Yeah, so Being able to wear tank tops at the yeah. beach. And so <laughs> resistance training probably doesn't give you that same kind of endorphin rush, that kind of which is why people tend to get more addicted to the kind of the longer aerobic training. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely like a body confidence and. And there's definitely uh, mental. There's definitely mental health benefits from doing resistance training. They're just probably different, which is probably why you should have do a mix. some sort of yeah. mixture of constantly varied functional movements. Performed at high intensity. Maybe some high intensity. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, lots of benefits to resistance training. Uh, then cardio training. Um, Again, fairly obvious. Start of general heart health, lung health, uh, increased metabolism or increased sort of calorie burn through your day. Um, all stuff that kind of helps you keep 
moving better into old age like and also generally as people get older they tend to go towards that kind of training anyway so they do so like we have lots of older members that's a nice way to say it yeah um that that would be the kind of training that they do when that's not necessarily the kind of training that they would need to do um some more resistance style stuff would be kind of better in that way for them yeah Yeah. um i think and i think one of the reasons why people tend to bias towards cardio training is because i think you get that immediate endorphin rush feel good mm-hmm. factor which i know is what you love i have to start um, cardio every day every day yeah so <laughs> general generally even even still do kind of do multiple sessions a day kind of and kind of throwing that cardio in uh for that buzz whereas i think me and maddie are sometimes happy Lads. just to just do do a strength session <laughs> and, call, and call it quits yeah it's also with that it's lack of knowledge as well so a lot yeah. of a lot of people especially if they're newer to the gym they don't feel comfortable going in and doing like a resistance session because they've maybe heard that it, if they do deadlifts bad they're gonna wreck their back or whatever it's just mm-hmm. easier for a lot of people to go out and do yeah a run. for a run yeah or, there's, there's yeah. like yes. a lower barrier to entry yeah, yeah. So there is and probably if you've never done resistance training you should probably get a coach so yeah. and get a coach that kind of knows how to teach you how to do different resistance movements and kind of understands any kind of training limitations or injuries that you might have or might need worked around or improved um and then that kind of sums up cardio yeah, yeah? um much. and then the last kind of thing would be then that, that we talked about earlier that kind of neat that buzzword that non-exercise related activity thermogenesis mm-hmm. um and what that is, we talked about that is everything outside of exercise and this is something the, the simplest way to talk about this would be that maybe the 10,000 steps a day this is that this this is what the goal behind the 10,000 steps a day um uh, kind of goal is and it's a good goal but it's not the be all and end all um for example uh, at the weekend I spent two days working outside on like a DIY project with kind of power tools kind of constantly on the go and my steps were like 4,000 and I didn't stop moving all yeah. day and yeah. you know so I knew I was expending energy mm-hmm but if i just looked at my watch and tracked my steps then it would kind of look like I give a false kinda, image of what yeah. actually happened through the day yeah yeah so neat to me is probably it's st- for 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 the clients that we have and that i have um i think it's probably the most important one mm-hmm. because we're already check yeah checking Check. we're already ticking the resistance mm-hmm. training box and we're already ticking that cardio box so for them it's trying to get them more active in their daily lifestyle. It's trying to encourage people to just do simple things like walk to the shop, you know, um, just okay. get out. Yeah, avoid sitting in front of the TV. And yeah. Like, uh, you know, gives you a better picture, I suppose, like a target or kind of like a snapshot of what maybe people are doing kind of outside. So you're coming in and get hitting your maybe three to four sessions or your, you know, your training sessions. And then if you don't do anything else after that, you know, that's kind of not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so... Uh, the steps kind of gives you a good benchmark, but... Yeah, um, and this is one of the things that I think where some of our clients have made the biggest gains in lockdown. Yeah. Um, perhaps maybe because there's just that boredom factor and they're mm-hmm. a little bit, and they're more likely to get out and go for a walk or, you know, just pick up a hobby project and do things like that. Um, so kind of we've covered all the kind of the bases a little bit and the benefits, but what would be kind of like actionable advice any kind of suggestions on physical activity yeah well like beyond just like 
targets like the 10,000 yeah. steps um, whenever we're able to again. Uh, find somewhere where there is a group of like-minded individuals to train alongside with. Um, just having that actual little bit of accountability, even more so than a coach. A coach can tell you to work out, uh, but you might not listen. If you have four or five friends and they're all going to the gym at the same time, you're more than likely going to tag along with them and, and hit it hard, more so than if you work out alone. Yeah. That would be, that would be sort of my uh, top tip. That'll help get you, get you going, kind of, yep. you know. Um, and then on that, I would say, we, and this kind of harks back to episode two, uh, which was do what you enjoy. So oh, yeah. do what you like. So um, guidelines are great, but if you're going to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, I hate resistance training and I'm not going to do them, so I'm not even going to bother doing the mixed aerobic and I'm not going to focus on my kind of neat activity, um, then that's kind of a bit like over, over top. So um, do what you can and then kind of get to a good level of kind of activity with that and then kind of maybe try and introduce kind of where you're lacking um, and it's one thing or something we kind of talk about with clients typically what you're bad at is where you're going to see the most benefit is mm. when you when you focus so if you're already kind of smashing 300 plus uh, minutes of aerobic training um you will get more benefit from adding in one resistance session than you will from adding another two to three hundred minutes of, a, yeah. of aerobic training. So try and get that balance, uh, but start with what you enjoy and then build from there. Build from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fairly well covered. Kind I of think all we've done physical activity pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So next thing we're going to talk about is sleep. Okay. Um which probably won't be happening tonight after <laughs> my third cup of coffee at 9 a.m. Um, so, sleep. The What are the guidelines, Matty? The guidelines. Uh, generally, eight, six yeah. to eight hours each and every night. Again, yeah. that's for being in the range that we talked about at the start, that four to six, just getting by, um, waking up, and being able to just about get through your day before collapsing down again uh, before the end. In yeah. general, if we're aiming to push towards that kind of thriving end of our spectrum, uh, then we're definitely looking eight plus hours. Um, yeah. The more exercise you do, the more hours you should probably spend with your eyes closed sleeping. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. eight hours of good quality sleep just to function properly. <laughs> yeah, and you'll you'll, so. you'll you'll understand this better than uh, kind of myself or Maddie as somebody who used to be was chronically sleep deprived i used to kind of get maybe three to four hours at night and then maybe to have to nap for two during the day but when uh you would have been competing um and kind of focus on maybe two to three training sessions per day kind of sleep was it was the minimum <laughs> yeah. yeah um and uh one of the things i kind of was reading kind of is about like roger federer kind of getting 12 hours sleep 12 or hours? 12 hours sleep per day and it kind of reminds me of I remember being on a kind of train a performance seminar and the guy the, the guy kind of said that professional athletes are paid to sleep not to train everybody yeah. you know that's the difference between an amateur athlete and a professional athlete they probably do similar amounts of training yeah. but then the amateur athlete has to go to work yeah. so that he yeah. can support his lifestyle whereas the professional athlete goes to sleep yeah um, so sleep, super, super important. I think it's probably the most neglected of our th Absolutely, big three. Yeah. And it's the one Definitely. that people seem the most resistant 
to change, change yeah. and the coaching and the wanting to improve it. And I really don't understand why. Yeah. Because uh, it it's makes you feel good. Yeah, but again, it's just that lack of education, isn't it? You know, yeah. okay, I'm okay, I have six hours, but that's what I get every night. No, but you could feel so much better if yeah. you got more. If you got. <laughs> and I, I think sleep, <clears throat> I think sleep is like the sneaky little like disruptor that people blame things on willpower and motivation and, and you're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you have brain fog through the day, then yeah. you're not going to choose to eat vegetables yeah. and good things or get a good act or yeah. good training session in. You're just going to be thinking about getting back to bed again and doing whatever you need to do to get there. Yeah. Well, just over the last, obviously, lot of weeks that we've been working one to one a lot more with, with clients, that's the biggest one that I see. Oh, what's you know, like on average. Yeah, what's the like, l- like sleep- lowest average sleeper? Do you think? Uh, five hours. Uh, I've had a couple of people who have had over the course of a week some fours and fives. Five hours, and, and I, then having to work a full. Do you know? I I do don't understand. Work <laughs> and train. Yeah. No, there, I. Can't. There's no full day's work in somebody that only sleeps four hours. <laughs> yeah. Their their boss should be very angry at them. Yeah. Okay, so. We kind of talked around sleep, so the specific impact of sleep, uh, and this kind of gonna, I'll link this in a little bit to that motive, like saying it's like sleep being the sil- like silent assassin. Um, uh, so cortisol and stress levels are kind of known to be elevated with poor or disrupted sleep, and so this is where I think that sleep is basically getting away with and motivation and willpower taking the rap. The studies out there are going to show that disrupted sleep elevates cortisol levels. And what we know from research is that elevated cortisol levels increase kind of cravings or uh, hunger for starchy, higher carbohydrate foods. So you might think you're, you've just got bad willpower and you can't kind of say no to that kind of biscuit at 11, biscuit and a cup of coffee at 11 o'clock. But Realistically, you're going to be in a much better. It, that's being tr- like a hormonal response being triggered. So you're going to you're going to do much better, and you're going to maybe be able to avoid that if you get a better night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with kind of that then motivation to exercise. If you're getting kind of get three to four hours of sleep, you're not going to maybe jump out of bed at six a.m. to do that morning workout. Or if you've had a long day, you're probably not going to want to come in the door. And then turn around and go straight back out and work out. Um, yeah, well, it's the thing. Um, somebody got me yesterday and asked about what the best pre-workout supplement they could take was. <laughs> uh, and I give them a serious answer of, like, just some coffee. Uh, yeah. But, like, my honest coach answer for them was a good night of sleep. Because yeah. if, if you have a bad night of sleep, um, just one night, it decreases your grip strength. Uh, it raises your resting heart rate which in general for the kind of training that we prescribe for people not a good thing to have Uh, and you'll just feel lethargic you'll be kind of dragging yourself through a session whereas if you just get an extra hour at night then your training is better that then gives you that positive bit of feedback to then go again the next night and get another good night of sleep because you're like at a good training session because you get more benefit from it it then makes you more tired to then go back to sleep again and that's we were talking about that the other day um where a lot of times people's problem with sleep is just they don't do enough throughout the day to make themselves tired and that that's more of a quality thing than a than a quantity thing but those that 
you talk to and they're like, yeah, I go to bed and I look at the ceiling for two hours. You're like, well, what did you do during the day to make yeah. yourself tired it's a, it's that you need sleep? It's a vicious circle, isn't it? Kind yeah. Of, you know, um, and one night of getting to bed early and getting a good night's sleep probably isn't going to fix that cycle. You need to be kind of consistent with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It crosses my mind. Um, most days I'm like, I haven't done enough. I'm going to be wide awake. I need to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to make sure that, you know. And the pr- Yeah, and the problem with sleep, as you said, is it's like, a, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So the, what really you kind of need to do is, is just disrupt that cycle. So you kind of, there's going to be a, p- a period where you probably feel a little bit worse before you, f- before you feel, feel better. better. Yeah. And kind of touching back to what Maddie said about training adaptions, uh, or if you're talking about training, like a lot of the, most of your recovery, and this is why athletes kind of pay to sleep, a lot of the recovery adaptions and a lot of benefits and a lot of the hormonal benefits and things like that are happening during your sleep. And so if you're shortening that down, then you're, at, you're reducing your ability to recover and adapt and benefit from the training you're doing. That you're doing, Yeah. yeah. Um, other impact would be kind of, uh, and there's stu- plenty of studies to back this up about kind of poor memory and kind of cognitive function. So uh, I think you mentioned about the grip test. Another one would be the kind of the ruler test, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is where you kind of somebody holds a ruler and you try and pinch it between your finger and thumbs. And reaction time um, is kind of much much decreased. Yeah, with um, lack of sleep. Actually, so it's it affects all aspects of. Of yeah. your life, so like from decision making, your energy levels, productivity at work, ability to cope with you know stress, kind of under pressure, everything. Yeah, yeah. Like a funny story. Um, you both know this story, but it's we'll laugh wor- anyway. It's worth yeah. talking. So like, just uh, an example of how like cognitive decline and cognitive and memory was when we opened here uh, six years ago. Um, me and Jen, I think we're doing. We were doing just mad shift, like split shifts every day. It was weeks in, and I went home one day for a nap before having to come back in. And that was my kind of routine at the time. I was doing just kind of get up at like quarter to five, come in, coach the morning classes, then either sleep in the office or go home and get a nap. And I was at home having a nap before I had to come back to work, and I got a phone call from. That's another uh, gym owner. Um, I think it was Steve. Uh, was Steve at Castrum? Um, yeah. And he was like, "Yo, dude, where are you at?" <laughs> That's how he sounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not. Um, but he said, where, 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 are you, "Where are you at?" And I said, "I'm at home." And he goes, uh, "Your shutters up, and the back and doors the front. Open. Your gym's unlocked, and the back doors open at the gym." And I was like, Goodness. All right, so literally I finished coaching, just got in the car and just drove away from the gym <laughs> and left it completely unlocked. Um, and or, so yeah, that, was a, that was like my lowest point. Yeah. Like, could imagine arriving back or, and the gym just being completely gutted. gutted. No, no, no equipment. Yeah. Or that time I coached like three morning classes <laughs> with my jumper on back to front. Oh, goodness. And yeah. not one person said to me that. People are too <laughs> nice. <laughs> Such nice <laughs> Yeah. That's when you know you're less than a four. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a two. That's a yeah, solid yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what are we going to do? What's our actionable yeah. kind of fixes for today on sleep? Actionable fixes. So, um, well, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, as well as, so we've talked a lot quantity of sleep, uh, but quality is up there as well. There's no point getting nine hours if 
you wake up seven or eight times through the night. Um, so the kind of the term that sleep people use is sleep hygiene. So like how clean and good your environment is for sleep. So things like um, making sure your room is dark enough, making sure it's the right temperature, making sure that um, you have an appropriately um, tog, duvet? Tog, tog is, it is called yeah, tog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I haven't owned a house for that long, so I don't know these yeah. things. Um, making sure that your actual environment for sleep is as good as possible so that then whenever you do go to sleep, um, the hours that you are getting are of a high quality and you're getting into that kind of deeper REM sleep and able to recover and sort of adapt to any training you've done through the day. So fixing the quality through sleep hygiene stuff, yeah. um, that would be kind of big mm -hmm. one for me. Um, yeah, well, a, a lot of the stuff that we're kind of doing with members at the minute um, and clients is, well, it's down to like bedtime routine is what we're calling it. Um, so making sure that uh, you're not on screens or you don't have your TV on. So that's like the hygiene. But one of the things that I actually really um, depend on for my kind of sleep routine is completing uh, my journal, which is very similar to the Thrive Life uh, Challenge Journal that we give out to members during the lockdown. 2.0 so that's kind of just where I spend 10 to 15 minutes just jotting down everything that happened uh, in my day and kind of just getting all the thoughts out on paper stuff that I did well stuff that I could um, do better and that is I do that every single night before I go to bed and go to sleep and that kind of just really helps me get rid of all yeah crazy uh, thoughts as like an <laughs> as, a, as like an overthinker which would you yeah, you would definitely be yeah um I think that works for you. So different yeah. things work for different people. So yeah. journaling isn't something I've managed to kind of stick with. Um, but what yeah. what we're kind of talking about is this building this routine mm -hmm. of basically helping you wind down into the evening. Okay, so it's like a lot of people are just, uh, and I have one client in particular who I've been dealing with this with, is just kind of like 100 miles an hour. And then stop. they're just going, right, bedtime, stop. And they're thinking, okay, I'm just going to go to sleep and it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so your body kind of works in natural rhythms. And so what you can do is over time, you can kind of coach and, and kind of get yourself into a good natural rhythm, which means you're going to have to just do stuff nearly for the sake of doing stuff mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, you're not going to see the benefit for weeks, maybe even months. But um starting to get your give your body like a pattern where you're going to eat dinner at the same time then you're going to maybe uh prep you know lay things out for your next day you're gonna then maybe do your journal you're gonna uh maybe read a book you're gonna maybe sit in a, like a in a room with like a, a like a dimmer lamp and you're maybe gonna read to start to let yourself kind of it's all about decompressing and just kind of then letting the brain wind down and switch off so that when you go to bed, you're ready to sleep. It's kind of like the opposite of a warm-up for a CrossFit class. What you're basically doing is you're kind of like warming up or prepping the body for sleep. If you're kind of stirring in front of bright screens or you're kind of running around or even just like exercising very late at night, sometimes isn't a good, especially high yeah. intensity, sometimes isn't the best thing. So it's creating that, that routine 
that then you have to be militant with. Um, and I, again, something working with a client is what I've actually got, my do not disturb comes on my phone at eight o'clock so that I'll not get any client or work or even family notifications unless I go and actively pick up the mm-hmm. phone. So even if, if I am watching TV or if I'm reading, I won't just keep seeing that like little notifications mm-hmm. button or even turn your notifications off. But I kind of do the do not disturb on my watch and my phone. Um, and that stops me kind of being brought back into it because so you can have the best intentions and then mm-hmm. get pulled back into it by that little flashing green notification. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. yeah, it's just like cooling down after you mentioned the warm up there. Yeah. So it's like the cool down of your yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. The it's not always easy to do. Like I don't I not every night I look forward to doing the journal or look forward to doing certain things, but it's knowing ahead of time and preparing ahead of time, okay. I want to be in bed before 10, so I need to have X, Y, and Z done and forcing yourself to kind of do that and after, you know, be disciplined with it and after a while your body just kind of, you know, you get used to that and um, it just becomes routine then. And Yeah, I think a disciplined bedtime is also Absolutely. one yeah. of the most important things. Plan a, planning ahead and going, yeah. I am going to be in bed before 10 or... Like during the lockdown during the summer i was in such a good routine with sleep for the like the best routine i've ever had as an adult and living in my brothers and i was going pretty much to bed at the same time as my two nieces which was sometimes <laughs> half eight yeah. in the evening like it was back to like when you were made to go to bed early and there was kids outside playing football and you were like um yeah. but yeah bring your like for me i would much rather be in bed for half eight reading or even kind of winding down at half eight nine o'clock and then get up five or six a.m. and yeah. work out rather than being a night owl um, and it's mostly just a lot of it comes down to tv pressure um which should be less and less now that more things are instant and stuff but uh kind of like due to lockdown like there's football matches that are going on past 10 o'clock yeah. in the evening which is just banana it's just bizarre and it's so disruptive to people's um sleep routine mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then well, I've noticed that, you know, like my, I don't wait for the alarm to wake me up in the morning. You know, when you get into that, your body's just, it's your natural yeah, that's a good sleep cycle. So I'm yeah. awake, you know. That, that's a good indicator that you're getting enough sleep yeah. is mm-hmm. when you don't need alarms and yeah. you don't need to be woken. That uh, wasn't daily. always the case. But no, yeah. <laughs> Whenever we get back to coaching at yeah. six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I'm going to need an alarm to get myself up. I'm going to have Going to from start. a nine to a four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty complicated. Pretty good overview on sleep. Last thing I will say on sleep is, um, if you want to kind of learn more about sleep, because I would say it's probably the area a lot of people uh, struggle with, is what I found was a great resource. Um, there's some podcasts with Dr. Matthew Walker. He's a kind of sleep expert, uh, I think, out of Canada or America. But he also then has a book on Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it's real. It, it, don't don't listen to it at night because it will scare it's you. Very and you'll, scary. you'll be so stressed out about the <laughs> sleep. lack of sleep that you won't sleep. The self abuse of, de- of that you've been uh, doing of not sleeping. Um, so, but really good kind of listen to when you're kind of meal prepping or um, just kind of when you're out, even go out for a walk and kind of listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Uh, I think the book's called Why We Sleep. So buy the book or get the audio book. I think it's really worth, um, if you're somebody that doesn't sleep well, kind of... Investing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third and third big pillar that we're going to talk about um, is going to be diet. Yeah. So... This is the one people have most questions about. Like, 
people always think they have a good handle on physical yeah. activity. They just I completely ignore sleep, and yeah. then they're like, everything is is down to diet. I think people are really confused because there's so much yeah. info. Out. There's a lot of good information out there. There's a lot. It's just there's maybe too much of mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe not so good info. Um, what, what I think with diet, and again, so this is just personal experience working with clients, um, and you can maybe let me know what you think on it, but I think people try and be too precise when it comes to diet. So yeah, yeah. Um, when we're talking about diet, we're talking about, I kind of break it down into like quality of food, quantity of food, and then kind of maybe even if we want to look at kind of supplements. But when it comes to quantity of food, we've got, what are the two? The, yeah, two thousand calories for females, two and a half thousand for fellas is the recommendation. But that's yeah, vague based on I don't know what kind of average person. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's no kind of breakdown beyond Sections that of or, like yeah. percentages of like mm. how much should be each of our macronutrients or anything like that. It's yeah. just vague so, overview. Yeah. So if we even just look at okay, so for me, the two and a half thousand is probably fairly close. Yeah. Um, to what I probably need to maintain a healthy my a healthy body weight. Um, Based on your three hundred yeah, minutes. Wha- <laughs> yeah. But where I think people get caught up with nutrition and kind of where I think people's biggest stumbling block is is that um, people think that they they just think day to day. They yeah. Think two and a half thousand calories every day. And then they'll have one day where they maybe just completely shit the bed and, you know, binge out at, at the weekend. And then like, but that, they're just saying, they're, they're, they're looking at the micro and what they need to step back and it goes, and what we're doing with clients is, look at your total weekly mm-hmm. and then average. average it out over seven days. Yeah. Look at your total monthly and average it out over seven days. Look at your total like quarterly, mm-hmm. you know, biannually, bi- every six months yeah. and yearly. And kind of, if you actually start to look at, your cal, your your big picture. En- your, your big picture energy intake, then you're not gonna stress about the day to day that I went over two hundred calories one day, I was under two hundred calories another day. Yeah. Just want to see a general trend that what what consistency looks like is two four two six two four two six. You might never actually hit two thousand five hundred calories mm-hmm. a day, but you, you, that consistency will uh, will get you where you want to be. There's no magic clock that just resets every night at midnight that says, "Okay, we're back to zero calories." In this, mm-hmm. you know, it's a continuous rolling uh, kind of time period. Um, so, do you think? Sorry, just yeah. so two thousand two thousand five hundred. Where do you think that's? Is that I would. Do you s- think that would be based off getting your three hundred minutes? Um, I would because, say, or do you think it's changed over no. the last? I would say the thing from the research that I kind of did was these kind of guidelines came in about 1998 was when they came in, and I would even say in 22 or 23 years since then, there's been a. I would say there's a general decline in people's like neat, like non yeah, exercise yeah. activity. <laughs> uh, I would say there's a decline in that, and I would also say there's been a decline in. Uh, the actual aerobic activity Exercise, yeah. and strong resistance training for the general, for like the overview of the whole population, which is probably why obesity and chronic disease rates are on the, the increase. increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would say 
those probably need revised um, or they need to be kind of like asterisk and kind of whenever they're put on food labels because every food label you'll yeah. get mm-hmm. will see that and people are being hammered in, you know, 2,500 for a guy, 2,005. Yeah. But, you know, Maddie's a good, you know, six inches taller than me. Um, so he, and I'll he's younger than me. More. And he's yeah. younger than me. So <laughs> yeah. his probably calorie, calorie, uh, caloric needs are probably higher yeah. um, in general. Um, so same, with, same with Jenna. Jenna does more exercise than the average person, and yeah. she's a fairly normal sized lady. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> her her needs are probably close to like that twenty five hundred, the same as you. Well, yeah. when Jenna was competing, she used to eat more food than I had, and I was still like active. Like I was yeah. still doing at least one like one of her sixty three minute sessions. one sixty minute so training, jealous. one sixty <laughs> minute training session per day. Yeah, I'm probably doing that five six. Days a week, maybe even the odd double session, but yeah, um, I yeah. think I was up to 2,800, 2,900, kind of more. Yeah, and Jenna was eating more than me and was also leaner than me, so <laughs> yeah, it's a so, good combination. <laughs> yeah, so realistically, when it comes to quantity, um, guidelines are probably useless. Yeah, it's individual, it's individual, and that's where then working with a coach, <coughs> um, is going to be of benefit, and even for a coach, anybody can use a general calorie calculator or a macro cal- calculator. Um, but it's all about being consistent and then making adjustments. Okay, so I might kind of throw do a calorie or macro calculator, and what it'll do is it'll spit out a number for me. And what I want to do is try and be consistently around that for two to three weeks, and then notice is my body composition improving, or is it getting worse, or is it staying the same? And then what I do is I just make corrections in the right in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a simple um as kind of food quantity Um, would you have um how would you recommend people figure out the quantities for them would you recommend they do um some kind of like macro calculation and tracking like how long a time should they do that or what what sort of your preferences so for me it really comes down to the personality of the person i am and so with food, there's like a massive like psychological and emotional component that's kind of linked in with it. Um, and it's linked into people's kind of, unfortunately, people's like self-worth and body image. So it's something you need to treat every client individually. Um, personally, one of my favorite um, ways to do it was when we kind of one of the nutrition challenges we did at the gyms, we had like the bento box Tupperware, which was, and, and it kind of boils down to the same principle of essentially like having like a fist sized portion of protein with each meal and your fist is going to be roughly proportional to your size, unless you've got tiny hands. Um, so you're going to have like a fist size uh, or palm size portion of protein, same with carbohydrates, like lots of fruit and vegetables, mm-hmm. Um, and then like a thumb-sized uh, kind of portion of fat. And so uh, the precision nutrition stuff, which I've studied, is kind of, they kind of do off the palm guides. Yeah. But then even to make that even simpler in the past, say we've used these little tubs. I think that's the easiest and kind of the most like yeah. mental health friendly version is, okay, you're doing some sort of tracking and then we can just like maybe increase or decrease either the, f- the number of those meals you have a day depending on your goals or just what what they're actually yeah. putting in them it's, yeah, yeah. it's important to kind of just link in then as well if you're going to be consistent and try and track to get an idea and a, an overall picture of your food then your activity levels need to stay consistent and everything else that we've touched on today kind of needs 
to coincide with that. Yeah, so yeah, that's otherwise huge. you can't make, which is what I've noticed with working with clients a lot more closely recently is they might have a good week of exercise, five, six sessions, and then the next week, too, but the food have stayed the same, and maybe the scales or yeah. has hasn't moved. So it's very important to kind of you need to package that together. Yeah. So with the, with all this, consistency is better yeah. than being like, a, like yeah. consistent for six months is better than being perfect for or one month weeks. or yeah, two yeah. months or even uh, more. So um, yeah. So personally, I would be kind of the the tubs like very general. So like low stress, and then that becomes very easy to do if you go out to a restaurant or whatever, you can, or you go to somebody else's house ah, for you dinner. Can eyeball it you a bit can kind of you can you start to understand. Yeah. Don't what, pack up your food. What, what like a what, like what like a five to six, seven, eight hundred kind of meal should look like, mm-hmm. and then you kind of get to go from there. Um, for other people, calories will work, macros will work. If people are struggling a little bit, then sometimes it's worth doing that. But I I, I just don't think people should be tracking macros and calories all year all round. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of good to refocus, and because a lot of people tend to eat the same foods, yeah. like for me. I kind of tracked for two days at the start of this year, uh, and kind of was like, right, I know roughly, I kind of know roughly yeah. what I'm eating, and so I try to kind of stick loosely to that um, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. There's no one size fits all really for yeah. Yeah. how to do it, but but you need to track in some like way, some, some metrics. Some there needs to be some metrics so even, that you know that yeah. each day or each week it's going to be yeah. the same, so that you can make adjustments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. based on that. Yeah. Okay. A okay. uh, little bit of technical difficulties there, team. The, the battery died, so. Um, we're going to just cut back. Uh, well, you kind of probably missed what we were talking about, but um, we kind of moved really on good. from food quantity. So hopefully we got all that in before the, the camera died. Um, and we're kind of moving on to food quality, okay? And for me, um, I focus on food quality probably more than I focus on food quantity um, because I don't mind being a little bit thick, a little bit husky. <laughs> uh, if it means that my kind of energy and efforts are focused into eating the best kind of quality meats and protein sources that I can and then and kind of overshooting on calories the calories and so why I like this philosophy is because when you start when when food quality or, or quantity is your priority you're going to make bad food choices um because yeah, you could be based on if you've got Say, say we're, doing, we're talking calories. If you've got 300 calories left in your day and your focus is on food quantity only, then you might have, you know, like a bag of crisps and a chocolate bar. For me, if I'm focused on food quality, I might have Greek yogurt and berries with some honey and some <laughs> nut butter yeah. and make, make better decisions because I want to basically give my body the best fuel. Nut- fuel and nutrients and food that it requires so that I feel good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the recommended guidelines, just going back to those, um, is 400 grams of fruit and veg um, through kind of five different varieties. That's not including uh, potatoes. Um, we were talking beforehand and doing some number crunching, and we probably get that by like mid-morning or like <laughs> maybe sometimes just through breakfast. Um, not to toot our own horns, but we're pretty great at that. We um, love food. <laughs> <laughs> we love food. We love good food. And it's like like you were saying there, it's just it's <clears throat> if you're focusing on quality, it's you'll maybe be over by a little bit, but it's more difficult to eat eight hundred carbohydrates worth of like 
carrots and parsnips and broccoli than yeah. it is 800 calories yeah. of rice. Yeah. Like it's just, it's cause it's more, it's more nutrient dense food, but it's also more voluminous. So if you eat higher quality of food, it's generally a little bit less. Um, you get to eat lots of it. Yeah, you get to eat lots of it, which is always yeah. a good thing. So as you said there, the guidelines are 400 grams or five portions, okay? And again, we're kind of continuum back to this continuum. That's for like a, that's for wellness or absence of disease. So that's going to be a four to six on that. So for for fitness and for thriving, what we kind of then are going if if four hundred grams is going to be this, then what we're going to do is we want to increase that um, to get more benefit, more net worth. Okay, so. One of the things that went around with the kind of the fitness community was the 800 gram challenge. And I remember kind of just tracking for a day and I had no issues hitting 800 grams of kind of raw fruit and vegetables um, per day. And you're going to get the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. um, as well as volume of that um, variety is also important. Yeah. So like, yes, it's good to eat uh five fruits and veggies a day but if you mm. eat the, just the same five fruit and veg every single day then you may end up every day yeah. every week every month yeah, still being deficient yeah. in yeah, certain you're, things you're being exposed to the same nutrient profiles yeah. all the time so it's like if you're on the broccoli brigade <laughs> and it's kind of broccoli it's like the only green vegetable you eat then you're going you're going to find that you're, you're getting plenty of certain things but not enough of another yeah. and that's where food quality is all about kind of well the health side of it is not being deficient, but then when you're high in certain levels of compounds and vitamins and minerals, um, then your body's kind of, it has like a preventative uh, benefit mm -hmm. to it, but then yeah. there's also can be performance benefits to it. Yeah. Um, like vitamin D has been linked kind of with strength training, not only kind of preventing illness, but then also there's kind of benefits to uh, kind of building strength and things like that. Yeah. Um, so kind of food quality, Probably kind of tips. Oh, um, so my one, uh, we went shopping the other night because uh, it's our one outing we're allowed during the week. <laughs> um, and I made the decision before we had gone in, I was going to pick up one of every single vegetable that was in um, Tesco's. Fortunately, it was just yeah. after Brexit, so it didn't cost me lots because lots of it was out of stock. But I just took one of everything. And then whenever I got home, I was like, all right, I need to Google what this is and then figure out how to eat it. Um, <laughs> And that, that was just like a fun little challenge for the week. Um, but it let me, I had like four things that I didn't even know the name of before mm. I got home. And I now have four different options for a vegetable that I can have kind of during the week. So that, that would be my, my number one, just a uh, range of things. Okay. Um, I always kind of um, encourage people to eat all the colors. So that would be my kind of tip. Make sure you've got lots of colour in um, breakfast, lunch and dinner and it's not kind of cream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no beige food party. No beige, beige. Yeah, no beige, make pretty yeah. plates. Make pretty um, plates, so pretty plates. eat the rainbow, yeah. I'm always, yeah. you'll always see me tag that. For me, I didn't, oh, I didn't think I was a fussy eater when it came to fruit, and, or not veg anyway, or with, with food. In general, you're a very But fussy. I think when I grew growing up, I didn't like a lot of veg. And I think for, for, for me, I don't like, I just don't like boiled veg. Boiled and steamed, mushy. Boiled and steamed. Like, so what I, what I would say <laughs> is just um, keep trying different foods and then try different ways to cook them. And like treat your... 
vegetables like you would your protein source. So like we, we go through all, like we make lots of effort. You get a bit of meat and you season it and you put like a spice rub on it and you make a sauce for it. And then you just like stew and boil the crap out <laughs> of veg. Yeah. So um, I'm on a big kick with like roasting veg, like just roasted broccoli yeah. with like garlic and olive oil, lemon, uh, roasted Brussels sprouts, like balsamic and bacon. Put bacon in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and mustard. Yeah. So what I would say is, uh, figure out how to make it taste good. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. an experiment. Don't just boil. Like don't just kind of stick to the same. And like roasting veg will probably like they'll still carry more net benefit, mm-hmm. like as far as kind of nutrient and that, um, to your to your plate than if you kind of just like especially if you overboil your your, yeah. your food and raw as well. Yeah, like, to have some carrot sticks as a snack or yeah. some mm-hmm. celery sticks and some almond butter. Yeah. That's always good. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the base of diet. Yeah. Um. Another thing that people love to talk about, probably more so than eating vegetables, is supplements. Yeah. So what's what's kind of thoughts on those? Well, sorry, no, <laughs> <wasn't> <laughs> oh. supplements. No, well, yeah. So a lot of people love it. I kind of liken this to the the training side of it versus the sleep. Nobody really wants to talk about the sleep, but they want to do all the training. Um, supplements. Nobody really wants to kind of focus and dial in on the food quality and what they're eating. It's like, what supplements can I take on top of? all this rubbish I'm eating to yeah. make me better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the key is in the name. <laughs> supplement. So the supplement, yeah. yeah. So the, the supplement, it's to supplement um, your existing diet. Um, I have flip-flopped back on, on, on forward on this. So um, when I would have been training for kind of physical performance and trying to maximize the benefits I could get from training, or the same with Jenna, um, I would have used supplements. Um, then when I stopped doing that, I kind of then was like, well, I can't, don't really justify spending the money. Uh, supplements generally are going to be expensive. Don't know if I can, you know, justify the money on it. But I'm kind of coming back, and I haven't really started taking them, but I'm kind of coming back to the point where my goals for myself have changed from over the years from like trying to be a performance athlete, so to speak, not amateur performance athlete, but now to wanting to be like a performance professional, so to speak. So like I want to, I'm kind of going about starting to kind of think about this in a different way. And I want to, um, I want to basically be thinking about, okay, like I'm a, this is a performance machine. So I need, I want to be getting up at 6am I want to be doing a workout. Then I want to be showered, breakfast, get to the office. I want to get X, Y, Z done. Once I finish work, I want to then have the energy to maybe maybe do another physical activity or maybe a sport. Or then I want to be have the energy to like feel that I could do something around the house or prepare a freshly cooked meal and do all those things. Um, and so I'm starting. To, I kind of think there's that probably people should kind of supplement more but i think then being smart and what and, and kind of deciding what to spend your money on is, is a big thing so um what are what are the things then that what did like jenna for yourself like whenever you were 
competitive, I'm not going to ask now because he wasn't. Um, whenever you were competitive, what kind of extra now supplementation? Yeah. Yeah. Supplements. <laughs> that sounds dodgy. Now <laughs> give her it's gonna legal write, it's above board no, stuff. No, it's it's going to like sound like an Icarus document. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just took the tablets that he gave me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what 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 the, what was your like daily supplemental intake? So we would uh, have we would have kind of done uh, probiotics. Um, so at least once a day. So um, kind of to help improve like digestion and gut bacteria, which is something that we have stopped taking. I think we both I noticed. Get, yeah, the, the difference. Uh, we're yeah. going to go back on those. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we would have done vitamin D and omega three fish oils. And then we also would have done uh, zinc and magnesium, um, kind of taken it before bed, and then probably either a multivitamin or like a greens, like a powdered greens kind of drink, and that would have been. And then, sorry, um, some whey protein. Just I use it like like to incorporate yeah. it as a food source, so I don't want to be kind of for me like there's very minimal nutritional value to just chugging a protein shake. So what I like to do is incorporate into like Greek yogurt or oats, where then I'm going to combine it with raspberries, blueberries, mm-hmm. and other mm-hmm. other foods, and in order to make it an, as part of a nutritious meal. Um, that back back then it was all the pori kind of brand we were taking yeah. as well, wasn't it? it was yeah, and again, quality. same as food, buy the best quality, quality that you can yeah. afford, and do a bit of research because. Um, not to kind of bash any brands, but there's a lot of like poor quality. For mm-hmm. example, like the likes of fish oils, like so, their fish oil can become toxic if it's stored in incorrectly, mm-hmm. and so it can actually then provide you know less benefit. Yeah. Um, the so balance of the two different yeah. oils in it as well can yeah can vary the different health effects of it. Yeah, and so then kind of part of like the, the the principle behind the auditing is maybe. Under, ask yourself why you think you should supplement like and what the benefit that you hope to gain and then kind of go back and say okay well which supplement will kind of help with this so mm-hmm. if it's kind of maybe you're doing an audit and you're not getting enough outside time uh, and it's you live in kind of like the weather is like here then what you kind of maybe want to think is okay I'll probably go vitamin D mm-hmm. yeah. um, is, is what if I can only afford one I'm going to go vitamin D yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. or yeah. like if you are uh, depending on your desired dietary intake, if you are like vegan or veggie, there are some things that if you're eating that way, you are just going to Maybe not gonna, struggle. Yeah. be yeah, lacking yeah. in or struggle to get without eating a ridiculous amount of a certain kind of food. Yeah. Yep. Um, so vitamin B12 yep. is something that's really good to take yeah. if you are, um, if you choose that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, this is all, even just going back to whenever you've listed quite a lot there, that I was taking during that was on top of already a very good healthy balanced diet yeah. um, to kind of dial in that extra one percent yeah yeah that's the one percent on yeah. top or if, not if you're functioning at twenty percent of your whole life adding in that one percent yeah. isn't going to make much difference but if you so can, we're not kind of saying all these supplements go get them and yeah. you know it's fixed the and yeah and diet first or nutrition. Because you're going to get most of them from... Yeah, it's kind of like, it's just you know, it's like just like a coverall at the end. So, yeah. um, And you will get more net benefit from fixing overhaul in your whole diet than you will from just adding in. So again, if, you got, like Jen said, if you're going to make one choice, you're either going to start supplementing with a vitamin D tablet or mm-hmm. and still eat crap, yeah, yeah. then you're not going to, you're going to get 1% there as opposed to um, much larger net gains. 
Um, just a little disclaimer, by the way. This is all general advice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So None of us are medical saying, professionals. Yeah, yeah, we're not medical professionals, so we're not saying you ha- do this, okay? So you kind of do your own research, um, consult your doctor if you're going to start taking any supplements, um, and kind of make sure you've done a kind of bit of a background check on those yeah. and, you know, your own specific uh, reaction and tolerance to them. Yeah. There uh, were oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. no, there was something on I watched a program the other day. I think it was the BBC that they kind of reviewed basically what we're doing, the different types of supplements out there, what people should be taking in the recommendations, and they basically the bottom line was you should be getting most of this from a healthy balanced diet, you know, nutrition and you shouldn't really need to add in if you're doing that well. You know Yeah. Something else. And Kind of like what we were saying earlier on with um, the quantity of food. If you are trying something, you're taking something new, keep all of those other lifestyle factors the same so you can see the, the yeah. kind of benefit from what's it. what's going on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in my personal experience, I, a while ago, started taking vitamin B12 um, just because I had like this brain fog thing going on all the time. Um, I'd finished a whole bottle of them not in one go um and at the end of it i was like i still feel like crap and then realized that it wasn't even it wasn't a lack of that just turns out it was sleeping like crap so like if you keep everything else the same you can see the effect that that specific thing has on it because like the last thing you want to do is just waste your money on like 100 pounds worth of supplements every single month when you could get the same benefit from eating some veggies and going to bed on time or if you've lots of money, you could get like a blood, and it's a big thing in America, but there's yeah. not so much here. You could get like, I know there's companies out there um, that you can get like a blood panel done and they can kind of then uh, give you, tell you where you're actually lacking mm-hmm. and deficient. So if you've been kind of suffering from maybe ongoing kind of chronic fatigue, different things like that, that, that might be a useful option. What I would say is fix, fix the three pillars. And then if you still feel like that, then, you know, getting some testing and stuff might be the route to go down. Again, not doctors. Yeah, not yeah. doctors. Not doctors. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of nutrition and diet uh, kind of covered. So we're going to like, it's kind of like a fourth pillar, which is just kind of like a little bit of everything um, that didn't really kind of fall in. Um, so do you want to just kind of throw out some? Yeah. Um, so there's a list of big things here, but uh, number one, screen time which kind of ties a little bit into sleep. Um, That's something we've seen, especially with our clients. Um, I have some people that will be on a screen for 14 to 15 hours a day, Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to have a major effect on all of the other stuff. So if you are somebody that, for your job, you're maybe 12 hours on a screen, then for the times of the year when that's the case, you probably shouldn't be then going straight from work and just doom scrolling on your phone for the rest of the night because that's going to affect all those other kind of aspects that we're talking about. Um, yeah, we, like when you actually do the numbers, if somebody's on a screen 16 hours a day, like that gives you eight hours a day not to be on a screen. Yeah. <laughs> and well, like if That's you're, when you should be sleeping. And if you're sleeping, then it's just like, when you start to actually look, break it down into a 24-hour cycle, then it's kind of like, oh crap. Yeah, it's crazy. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. So it is. Yeah. So it it's really screen is. time, big one, fix that. Yeah. So screen difficult. time, the, 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 just the, the, the impact from it is part from, and most people will recognize this, that just being on screen time is going to impact your sleep. 
Um, so if you're on blue, like the blue light from screens has been recognised to it disrupts your natural kind of circadian rhythm and melatonin production. Yeah. Um, and so that's why we kind of recommend our clients to kind of try and avoid screens for the kind of two hours prior to bed. There are potential solutions such as blue light blocking glasses, um, which may or may not help. Um, and kind of feel free to experiment. If you have to work late on a computer, try it out. It might work. Um, but yeah. Or just put your phone down. Yeah, but like, if you're, wor- yeah. if if you're, you're working, working late. Yeah. Yeah. Then kind of that kind of ties in well then to the other thing, which would be kind of like time on social media. Um, and this is like, so this category we kind of mm-hmm. class as wellness and well-being. And so the big thing for me and why I, I, I moved away from social media for a long time, and I, I obviously have a certain amount of contact with it f- through work, um, but it's just, it doesn't make me feel good. And that's the, yeah yeah like, so for me, I just try and spend as little time as possible on it. And what then, the other thing I did was just remove everything that I kind of, Anytime I saw something, I just had that immediate little feeling of, like, frustration or anger or just, like, maybe lowering my self-worth. You know, seeing somebody, like, on a boat, you know, some Insta, you know, it's like Tuesday morning and I'm tired and cold and I'm seeing some, like, somebody ripped up on a boat, you know, and you're kind of going, oh, yeah, life's shit. (laughs) So I just started removing stuff like that. Yeah, just unfollow those people. Yes, and just remove it. And so I try to kind of, yeah, try to have just, like, stuff that I enjoy seeing or positive influences, like Mm. motivational stuff, and it's useful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I have about, outside of, like, um, clients and family members I have about eight um, people that I do follow and I make sure that it's just those people are like all positive like mm-hmm. the likes of a David Goggins type thing uh, at yeah. one point uh, I love David Goggins yeah when I, when I started up my kind of coachy profile I had just him following <laughs> and every morning I'd log on I'd see some other like crazy video of him just running shouting at me and i'd be like yeah ready to attack the day and that's that's the kind of thing you want that positive feedback yeah whenever you go and and use that and if it's not being positive then it's not worth it and you just need to kind of turn it off or or dial it back yeah yeah um next oh no you guys no 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 just no i'm happy to move on you've covered everything Okay, so Less next one getting, uh, would be outside time, and that kind of is going to tie in with like daylight exposure, and mm-hmm. this kind of come back to like our vitamin D. Um, get outside. I, I I can't tell you exactly what the mechanism is for working, but I know for exact for a fact that when I spend time outside, I feel better, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, physically. Um, I'm, like one of the things we would have done made sure of last year is every Sunday. Um, which would be technically a rest day, but we would get up and we would go for a nice big uh, kind of walk or jog, and then we would get into the the cold Irish sea <laughs> after, and you just you just feel so much better after. Yeah, um, definitely. That, that time outside, um, yeah. I think there's a big benefit to helping you wind down, like that you always talk about when you've got too much fresh air. No, you've been outside all day. And you're tired. And you get tired because you've too much fresh air. And I think it's just because you're detached from all the electronic crap. Yes, you're away mm -hmm. from that blue light and that blue screen or the the lights. But yeah, it definitely, natural daylight getting outside, the more you get of that helps kind of, you know, boost your ability to sleep at night. You're getting fresh air. I mean, I, when I go for it, there's a local park near 
um, Mums, which is Redburn. It's only about a 5k walk up to the top and back. But every single time I walk up there and walk back, I can, I'm ready for a nap. Like, I could do a two-hour training session in here and feel fine. But every time I go up there for some reason and come back down, I'm just like, oh, I could sleep. So, yeah, fresh air is good. Um, good for the soul. Yeah. Just a thing that makes you feel good. Yeah. So there's just there's do, do more of like if if the only takeaway you have from this podcast is do more of the things that genuinely make you feel good, not like artificial feel good. Yeah. Then you'll probably do well. Yeah. Um, last thing then probably of the wellness would just be stress. Yeah. Um, I think my personal take on this is that um, last year, like I was just exhausted all the time. Um, is pre-lockdown last year. I was just exhausted all the time. Was trying everything. Wasn't sleeping well. Um, lots going on, and I just kind of was like, oh, you know, I just feel like crap. I was just putting it down to one thing or the other. And then when we went into lockdown, I suppose stress probably shifted. Um, but I just lots of time to wind down, and I just kind of started doing like some DIY hobby projects and stuff. And kind of a lot of the previous. I let a lot of the previous stress and anxiety go, and my energy levels just then went through the roof. My sleep mm-hmm. got better. Um, so I would say, like, like a lot of people, they're like, I'm too tired to exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm too. My experience is you're not tired, and it ties into what you said earlier, is you're not tired, you're just stressed. You're, you're kind of, you're, you're over-anxious or whatever, and, and that's kind of making you feel tired and robbing you of motivation. But you physically couldn't be tired. You've got up, you've sat at a desk all day or whatever, you haven't you haven't exerted your body in the way that it's designed yeah, to be yeah. exerted. Um, you're you're not tired. Yeah. You're, you know, you're maybe, so you're maybe mentally fatigued and yeah. tired in that way. But yes, yeah, so stress kind of just can show it's yeah, and stress as tired and exhausted yeah. when you're not. And it'll be affected by all of the above. All mm-hmm. of the things yeah. that we've talked about are going to have a positive impact on your stress levels. Yeah. So the the analogy that's normally given is like if you have a big bucket. And there's like a tap on the bottom. So the bucket is like all of the stress that you can handle. And the wee tap at the bottom is like your ability to recover or deal or adapt to that stress. Um, Your body doesn't know the difference between all those different types of stress. Mm, So if you have a hard day at work, that's a type of stress. Mm -hmm. If you haven't eaten right and your body is slightly inflamed, that's a different type of stress. If you then add a training session on top of that, that's another type of stress. Financial stress. Financial stress. Like family stress, yeah, sleep, relationships, yeah. lack of sleep, all that kind of compounds and adds up. And at some point, that sort of bucket of stress is going to overflow, and that's going to lead to like a like a negative downward kind of spiral. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you're able to uh, control what goes into that bucket, like you're eating well, uh, you're sleeping right, then you can handle more from those other types of stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're more able to like function as a as a full human and get out and do more things and have um, a greater capacity for uh, yeah. new experiences and kind of new stressors onto your system, and it's, it's they're all interlinked, so it's a vicious cycle and circle. So yeah. you need to just pick. Yeah, to so that, that kind of gets us into the kind of then yeah. where to start um, and kind of. So for me, um, when I kind of, I always kind of bring this principle, the triage principle, um, and the triage principle was basically developed on battlefield. You're in a battlefield, and there's multiple casualties, 
which one do you see first? And it's basically the one that is the most serious, the one uh, that is the need to dress first. So it's the same here. I would say from like everybody's going to be different, but look. So the the kind of purpose of an audit is audit yourself, see which area has the biggest deficit, or kind of try and understand which area would have the biggest net benefit, and start there. So for most people, that's going to be for me. That's going to be sleep. Um, like I remember being on a seminar, and, and it's kind of like I talked about thing is like if you could give an up and we're going upcoming or aspiring athlete one piece of advice, it would be about sleep. Basically, sleep is a is a PED. It's a performance enhancing drug. Like if the only thing you change here is going to is if you're going to change one thing, then I would say sleep is the thing that you should mm-hmm. change, uh, as it'll have probably the biggest net benefit, and it makes everything else easier. So. You could do more physical activity or you can eat better, but it's not necessarily going to help you sleep better. But if you sleep better, then you're going to find it easier and get more benefit from physical activity. And you're going to find it easier uh, to make better nutrition choices. I, I don't totally. think yeah. that So that. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We actually really enjoyed doing this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you in the next one. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you need any help with anything that we've discussed today on the podcast, uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram at the Thrive Life Podcast Belfast. Please like, share and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and we'll catch you on the next one.